Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, we've got a group of singles that are coming back from Wadawi, Alabama, um, or as one lady said, Weedowee, Weedowee, Alabama. Um, they'll be back by lunchtime today. Uh, and so before we do anything else, I just want to begin by thanking all of you who are mothers for the way that you love and you serve your families. Um, I have the best mom in all the world. Really, like my mom is incredible. Uh, I remember as a kid, she would wake up at 5 a.m. before anybody else was stirring in the house, not because she liked early mornings, but because she had to get ready, because she wanted to get to work by 6 so that she could work a full day before we got out of school, so that she could pick us up from school, so that she could feed us, so that she could wipe our snotty noses and wash our clothes and make our dinner um, and speak identity into us and breathe life into us. And many of you have had that same experience. And I also get to watch my beautiful wife, Chrissy, who is an incredible mom, take care of our girls. Uh, and, the, um, whew, and the blessing that that is to watch her cause them to flourish and to speak life into them and to pour identity into them and to show them what fun is more than any person ought to know how. Um, and that is who she is. And I get to watch so many of you do the very same thing. Um, and I realize that today of all days for many of you uh, may be very celebratory, like Amy's about to become a mom in the next couple months. Uh, some of you are moving into that season of life, and it's really special. Um, and for others of you, today feels heavy, uh, and maybe there's a sting that comes with it. Uh, perhaps you've lost a mom in the last couple of years, or... Um, Perhaps you've lost a child in the last couple of years, and that sits with a certain kind of heaviness and despair and grief. And so our prayers as a church family are with you today, Um, and I feel the weight of those who have felt the pain of infertility um, or uh, not having biological children of your own. And so today our prayers of comfort are with you. Um, We believe that motherhood goes past simply biological motherhood. Right? Like the thing that we hold as a church is that what God does in biological ways, they are meant to shadow this greater reality of the way that we mother and father and parent and lead and love and multiply, even in the spirit. And so today I realize that this day can come with weight, but can I encourage you that the Lord sees you right where you are, in whatever season you are. And he honors that place, and he gives you what you need for the moment you're standing in. And so if this feels like a sting, know that the Lord hears your cries. That was the image today, that the Lord hears your cries, and he longs to feed you. Um, And so today, even if if you're struggling with infertility or you're asking some big questions about that, we'd love to just partner with you in prayer before you leave at the end. Is that good? Okay. Um, So... I, I just I want to loop back around that, that there is something that is really special to the call of being a mother. Um, it felt a little awkward for me to speak on Mother's Day, but I haven't been up here with you guys for a few weeks, and I was like, I'm not missing this. I'm diving in. Um, there, there is a gift of motherhood to love others sacrificially and to allow yourselves to be broken for the flourishing of someone else. Um, you are shaping futures and destinies around you. 
Biological moms, you are shaping futures and destinies around you through the way that you live. Supernatural spiritual moms, you're like, I don't feel like either one of those things. If you are mothering and caring for people, then you are, you are participating in motherhood. And God is using you to shape and form supernatural destinies around you. And uh, that's exactly what we want to talk about today. I believe that there is an identity as a mother that runs so deep into the fabric of women because it is part of God's very nature. Now, if you've spent much time in the scriptures, you realize that it was written in a patriarchal culture to a group of people that understood their identity and their inheritance and faith through paternal systems. Right. So like if you read through the Bible, um, we hear lots about fathers and sons, but we hear very little about mothers and daughters. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so for men reading the Bible, it, it probably hasn't occurred to you that for a woman reading the Bible, there's no inheritance passed to daughters, except for like Zelophehad's kids in the, in the Old Testament. You can look it up later. Um, there's like just a handful of ladies who inherit something, and it's a very particular circumstance. But we could kind of like walk that back and think somehow that because of that, that Christianity and other faith traditions don't value or honor mothers in the same way um, as a result. But I actually believe that God carries the unique shape and role and nature of mother just as he does father. Right? In Genesis, it says that he created us in his image, male and female. Ooh, what are we going to do with that? That God himself, when he takes his image bearers and he puts his image into us, he has to create both male and female to adequately re-image who he is. So God has re-imaged himself in us in both male and female, and that means that there is something central to the nature of God that is motherly. And, and as I heard, as I was away in England over the last couple weeks, it seems that there is something particular that the Spirit is doing in his maternal, uh, nurturing, cultivating, compassionate, gentle spirit in this season that looks altogether different than previous seasons. In previous seasons, the moves of God, the, rev the great revivals and outpourings of the Spirit came with incredible, weighty, external manifestations of the Spirit. It was a focus on the hand and the power of God. And right now, there seems to be this new move of God in the earth where we're moving from His strength and His hand to His gentleness and His face and His presence. And God really is inviting us into this intimacy and gentleness of experiencing Him. I believe the Lord is revealing something in His mothering nature to us that He wants us to enter into. His intimacy, His nearness, His gentleness. I don't know if you felt that this morning. Did you feel that in worship? Just this invitation to come near to the God who delights in His children, who is compassionate. The Scriptures actually describe Him as a, as, a weaning, as a mother who longs to breastfeed her, her child, who longs to feed and care for and nurture her child. That that is one of the, the images of God in the way that he reacts to your needs. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Listen to that picture. Creation begins with a blank state, formless and empty and dark. 
And it's right there in the midst of formlessness and shapelessness that the Spirit of God comes to hover over the lifeless, shapeless waters. And He's not hovering as though He's doing nothing. God's Spirit is actually mothering. And, and I'm going to tell you how. That word for hovering is the word rahaf. It means to move gently or to cherish or brood over something. Listen to this expanded definition. I think you'll see it on the screen behind me. It is to be moved with affection or to be affected with a feeling of tender love. To be cherished with fear and trembling, figuratively used of the Spirit of God who brooded over the shapeless mass of the earth. Cherishing and vivifying. So when the Spirit of God is here hovering over the dark chaos waters of creation, what is He doing? He is tenderly, compassionately, lovingly standing over the chaos of what yet does not exist and breathing life into it. This is is the call of a mother. This is the same image that we see at Jesus' baptism when it says that the Spirit descended on Him in the form of a dove. It doesn't say bodily ever in the Scriptures. It simply says that the, that the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. It is the picture of Genesis, of God lovingly, compassionately, motheringly descending onto the beloved Son and saying, He's mine. You know, Fathers give an incredible amount of identity. Mothers teach you how loved you are. And here in this moment, we see the hovering nature of the Spirit come to rest on Jesus as the faithful Son and says that He's mine. Friends, there are times where we cry out for the power of God. I don't know about for you. I am hungry to see the power of God. I'm hungry to see His hand extended in power. I'm hungry to see people's lives transformed. We ask to see His hand move in power, but there are also times when what we need most is to see His face, to lock eyes with the One who loves us and cherishes us and is desperate for our surrender. You know, while I was in England, it was so interesting. I flew across an ocean to listen to people who live like four hours away from us. Um, I get over to the middle of London, and there are people from Asbury on the stage. And so I got to go and talk to them, and they know people who are in our city, and people in our city know them, and there were all of these interesting connections. But this man named Dave Thomas, who was a part of the Asbury outpouring, um, he was on the stage, and the Anglican church, it, it was really, um, it was kind of challenging because what happened is a blip on the radar here. When I went to England, there were Anglican churches all over the place who were so celebrating the outpouring of the Spirit at Asbury that they were bring, they're flying students over in droves to share testimonies and to talk about what God is doing. They're hungry for the, the move of the Spirit. And as he sat there on that stage, um, he was talking about all of the incredible things that the Lord was doing. And one of the testimonies that we heard time and again was about the nature of the move of God right now. That it isn't overt in manifestations or external power, but it is the gentleness of Jesus to call people to repentance. They told stories of people just lingering in His presence and His holiness for hours and hours, for days and days, because they could not, they could not leave once they had tasted just how good He was. I don't know about for you. I don't know if that's your experience with the Lord or with coming into His presence in church. I don't know how you came to Jesus or if you're walking with Jesus. But there were droves of students saying, I just wanted to go to my next class, but what I experienced of Him and His presence was so good, I couldn't leave. 
I was there for days and weeks. I was hungry. It was powerful to watch. Friends, the Spirit of God that brooded over the dark chaos waters of creation like a mother hen, bringing life to the void, is the same Spirit that brooded over the beloved Son, Jesus, and came to rest on Him. And that is the same Holy Spirit that aches with love for you. That same mothering spirit that brought life to the chaos is the same spirit that is hovering over your life and he longs for you. He is brooding over the chaos in you. He is gently and powerfully bringing order into your life by his presence if you'll allow him. I don't care where you're at or what you've done. God deeply loves you and he wants to come and to rest on you and bring your disordered world into beautiful order of his presence and his compassion for you. And this is the mark, not just of the spirit of God, but it's the same spirit that he has put into mothers. And I would even say for some of you men who can handle it, that it's the same spirit that he puts into us as men to help mother and cultivate and nurture and care for. In John chapter 12, Jesus is nearing this moment where he himself is feeling the birth pains of the Spirit. God has sent him to do the greatest, weightiest task in the history of creation. And Jesus is standing here nearing the climax of his ministry as he's going to lay down his life for the world. And you can sense his clarity about what's about to happen. John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You know, we have a lot to learn from Jesus' statement here. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... If it does what it is meant to do, it produces many seeds. This is the consummate declaration of a mom. Just like Jesus had to be broken so that the very thing that had been entrusted to him could be multiplied and reproduced and released from him, in the same exact way, the assignment of motherhood is the invitation to release life in the earth. So many of you moms who are here Your goal, your invitation, the thing that you are responsible for is training up children who know how to live in the goodness of God. You're releasing the life of God in the earth. What God has put in you can't stay in you if it's going to accomplish its work. This deposit, the seed of God, is not to be left on the counter, unplanted, untested, and unbroken. But Jesus says that this thing, this work of God, this life of God is just like a seed that must be completely surrendered to the proper conditions. It must be taken and hidden away in anonymity and broken open and transformed for the sake of fruitfulness so that other people can, um, can glean from it. You know, a seed holds infinite potential. A seed by itself has this unique coding and design to be fruitful and to multiply. But if I take that same seed that holds all of that beautiful potential and has all of this unique design and I stick it into a jar and I put it on the shelf, what will happen? Nothing. Nothing. I I can look at it all day. It can be a beautiful seed, but it still has not accomplished its purpose because it is jarred up and it is stagnant and stale on the counter. 
It may hold the key to infinite growth and multiplication and power, but it only has potential when it's unplanted. But if I plant that same seed, it will produce many other what? Seeds. Is that your experience with planting seeds? Like, I've never seen a seed tree. <laughs> Have you? It's an interesting way that Jesus talks to us about how we plant or invest the thing that he's given to us. If you take this one seed and you break it, it's not going to produce a generation of fruit. It's not going to produce a single piece of fruit. It's going to produce seeds. This is what God is calling our eyes to see. Often we want our lives to just produce the fruit, but Jesus looks further than that. Jesus actually calls us. He says that the goal of our lives is not just to produce one generation of fruit, but generations of seeds that multiply and produce generations of seeds. I was just looking over at Kindle, like you teach, right? The goal is not that I change one life by teaching. The goal is that I change one life that has infinite potential to change one life, that has infinite potential to change one life. So by changing one life, you change multitudes. Moms, the goal is not that I raise one good kid out of seven, like, you know, or out of four. Like, if I could just get one good apple out of these. <laughs> no, it's that you raise one child who can infinitely understand what it is to submit and surrender their lives to God and His plan and design so that they too will pass on a generational legacy blessing and they will do that for one or two who do it for one or two. And by that, we transform the world. Are you with me? In the same way, the work of God in all of us is that we would learn not to simply take the potential, the image, the dream, the life of God that he's put in us, and that we would jar it up and put it on the shelf because we're terrified of using it, but that we would learn what it looks like to plant the work that God has put in us and allow it to multiply and multiply and multiply. I might see one generation of fruit but it is going to multiply into multitudes. Are you with me? This is what it means to have a legacy perspective. This is what it means to be people who think as parents, not just about what's convenient for me on a Tuesday, but that what I'm doing on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday is transforming generations. Are you with me? That's hard. I think short-term about most things, right? I think we ate out four times this week. <laughs> like, just short term, let's just cram the food in and let's just keep moving. <laughs> oh God, we got to stay alive. Are you with me? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus calls us to look further. See, all of that potential depends on what you do with one seed. And that one seed is your life. Now, now I'm pulling on a couple threads here. And if you've been slightly confused, I'm talking about motherhood, but I'm also talking about how we cultivate and nurture what it is that God has put in us. And then how do we collectively do that? How do we as a church recognize that the seed that God has put into us, He calls us to nurture and care for and carry and birth and release so that the life of God can be released? This is precisely what moms are good at. It's precisely what we want to keep talking about. See, because motherhood is the picture of germination and multiplication. It's taking the thing that God gave you, and nurturing it so that it will multiply and that you can release it. The Spirit brooding over the chaos of potential, hovering over the seed of God in your life. That's what motherhood is. And we've got to learn how to cultivate the things that God has placed 
into us. And so I want to talk about those four areas here in the remainder of our time. I want to talk about what it means to receive from the Spirit, what it means to carry the work of the Spirit, what it means to give birth to the things of the Spirit, and to release them. Okay? Everybody good? Excellent. So first, we're going to talk about receiving. Every mom, both biological and spiritual, has learned this process. To be a mother, you must first receive. A woman who hasn't received can't incubate and carry and deliver, whether that's a biological sperm or the supernatural movement of the Spirit of God in your life. Mothers are first and foremost receivers. Believers are first and foremost receivers. The church of Jesus Christ is first and foremost a receiver. Acts chapter 2 is a picture of us receiving the Spirit. Receiving the work of God. The embryonic, almost unthinkable, subtle movement of God poured out into us, poured over His church, released every single place we go. To be a mother, you must first receive. You can't produce and give away what's, what you have not yet received. That's true in the flesh, and it's true in the Spirit. But something dangerous happens in each and every one of us and in our human hearts when it closes itself off to receiving. You know, I've seen this in marriage with couples whose hearts are so embittered toward one another that they're not able to receive love from each other. Um, or perhaps with those who are struggling with fertility when a part of their body isn't able to receive what's necessary to create life. We know the outcomes in the physical when you can't receive. But how much more in the spiritual? Some of you are here today and you enter into spaces where people are impregnated in the Spirit I'm using language that like all the teenage boys are like, this is gross. What are we talking about? Pastor Grant, can we please choose some other language? I'm sorry, guys. It's what I got today. Um, Figure it out. We'll be fine. (laughs) We'll chat about it on Wednesday. Um, There is this, this supernatural infertility when our hearts close to the Lord. That the thing that God wants to produce in your life, you have closed off. I'm unwilling to receive from him. Because maybe it feels weird or it feels like I'm out of control if I'm not receiving, uh, if I'm receiving from him or like somehow this is something altogether different or I'm scared of spiritual abuse that I've seen in the past or whatever. We can list off a million reasons, but somewhere along the way, our hearts and our lives close off to the movement of the spirit and it leads to a spiritual barrenness. And some of you are here this morning and you feel it like a spiritual wasteland in your soul. You walk in and you feel like, man, people are entering into oases around me everywhere I am and I can't experience or feel the power or the presence or the move of God because something has closed off to him in my life. When Michal, uh, King David's wife, sees him dancing before the Lord in 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is standing before the Lord who is coming with his presence into the city. And David's response is he tears his clothes off and starts dancing like a maniac. Like what an appropriate worship style, right? (laughs) Sunday morning we get a little weird. Okay. But Michal, his wife, who is sitting up in the top of the tower, looking down at her husband, who is completely, utterly focused just on the presence of the Lord and bringing pleasure to him, It says that she despises him in her heart because of what David was doing. And from that day forward, she never 
could bear a child. Huh, what a weird connection. She's mad at David for the way that he's praising the Lord and her womb closed. Think about that. Now, it's kind of unclear to us here, did God close her womb or did David stop sleeping with her? Right? It's wide open. I I kind of imagine that it's some combination of the two. But what we recognize from this passage of Scripture is that she couldn't receive David's offspring because her heart was ultimately closed to the Lord. Is your heart open to the Lord? Are you open to the Lord? Seriously, stop. I know we're in the Bible Belt. Okay, I get it. You came to church. Congratulations. We can check the box. But is your heart open? If he comes to you and he says, hey, I want to do this new thing. Is your heart open to say, I'm ready. Whatever you got. Whatever you want to do, I'm ready. You know, we don't think of ramifications like moments that follow this. But David was the forerunner of Jesus. Michal effectively removed herself from the lineage of Jesus because she was not open to receiving what God was doing. And as a result, her womb was closed to her husband and her womb was closed to the lineage of God. How often do we close the door to the move of God in us? How often do we close the door to the move of God in us collectively? Because we're not ready or because we're resistant or because we've gone through some pain that we've been unwilling to surrender and release. It closes our hearts to God. See, receiving is about willful surrender. Receiving is the posture of being able to open my arms and my heart and say, here I am. It's the picture that we see in Jesus' mother Mary when the angel stands before her and says, by the way, you're going to be pregnant. She's like, I'm a virgin. How does this work? And he says, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And you're going to conceive and give birth to a son and you're going to name him Jesus. And he will be the Son of the Most High. And Mary's response is rattlingly simple. Okay. (laughs) I'm good with that. (laughs) Like, that's it. Like, in our translation, she's like, I'm down. Let's go. If God comes to you today and He says, hey, I want to do something different than what you had planned, and it's going to be tremendously um, challenging, It's going to demand that you move things around in your life. It's going to demand transitions and transformations and reshaping what you thought you were going to put your hands to and how you poured in your time and how you spent your money and where you lived and why you lived where you lived. If God was to come to you with that, can you say, I'm down? Whatever you want, I'm ready. Are you ready to receive what God wants to do in your life? Life And the equation in the scriptures is simple. How do we receive? How? I used to hate it when pastors did this to me. Now I get to do it. You ask. We ask. How many of us, you're like, I don't know if I'm ready to receive. Are you asking? That's how you know. I know if I'm ready to receive a word from the Lord if I'm asking for it. Right? In John chapter 16, verse 23, he says simply, Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Some of you are like, I've tried that. It doesn't work. 
whatever you ask in my name. If you read that in the original, the way the, the wording is, it says, and in my name, if you ask. So if you are standing in the identity, the position, the character of Jesus, you are baptized into him and his nature, and you start asking, he's going to fulfill it. Verse 24, until now you have not asked for anything in my name, but ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Are you ready to receive? For many of you today, the, um, the, the image that I get is of a steel door over your heart and it is shut and padlocked and you've got that sucker like sealed and tightened down and soldered shut and the Lord is saying, will you give me permission to open the door? Hear me. Do you have his permission? He's not going to kick it open. I mean, maybe one or two instances you see that in the scriptures, but most of the time, he actually wants you to say, I'm ready. And for some of you today, right now, right where you're at, just close your eyes. The Lord is saying, I want access. I want you to receive this new thing that I'm going to do, but it's going to mean that you let the door open to your heart. Will you give him the key? He's holding out his hand. He's asking you, can I come in? That's the picture in Revelation of him knocking on the door saying, will you let me in? For some of you, you've stopped asking. You can open your eyes. You've stopped asking. And the Lord is saying, ask. Beg for it. Call for my blessing. Call for the, the movement of my spirit in your life. Crave it. Desire it. Require it. Go after it. Let's do it, God. Whatever you want. Secondly, he calls us to carry. You know, it's one thing to receive a gift. It's quite another to carry it, right? It's something altogether different. Like the moment when a woman um, is first finds out that she's pregnant, if she wanted to get pregnant, like it comes with joy and excitement. Um, and for Chrissy and I, like there was always this joy and this kind of like outpouring of excitement. But then like three or four months in when she's sick every day, right? And leaning up, she can't get out of bed. She's throwing up. Like it's a different thing now. Yes, it's still beautiful, but now it's coming with a price. It's one thing to receive the life of God, to receive the gift of God or this invitation, but Mary got morning sickness with Jesus, right? And even in the Spirit, sometimes we are given something that we have to learn how to carry. It demands that we learn how to hold this thing that God's entrusted to us. I, I love one of the coolest things in the world is watching um, a lady's body reshape and reform and take on a new structure to become short-term housing for another human. What an insane thing that God did in the human body and women. Like We can talk about the beauty of recreating people and bringing new life into the world, but only women are doing this thing, right? And we'll talk about all the scientific weird things that are happening in the future at another date. Right now, what we're talking about is the fact that God has made women to carry, to carry, Chrissy's body became a 10-month-long apartment, you know? It's a short-term lease. And she took on tremendous changes for the sake of carrying this life, her eating habits and sleeping habits, her hormones, adapting every part of her life to become this place, this dwelling for this thing to grow, right? In the Spirit, it's vital that we understand that what God has given to us is, is a matter of stewardship, he entrusts things to you that will live past you and that will make tremendous demands on your life, but only you can carry it. Only you can carry it. 
whatever God is asking you to do, only you can carry it. He hasn't given you a vision so that you can force other people to walk in this place of spiritual pregnancy over the thing that God wants you to do. He's calling you to steward it. You know, we have people all the time who beg for the blessings of God, but they are unwilling or unfit to carry those blessings. See, because the blessings of God most often come in seed form, which means i got to do something with it. Often receiving isn't the issue. The issue we face is aborting what's been entrusted to us because it's uncomfortable and makes too many demands on us. The same ill that we see in the physical realm, we see in the spiritual. The very thing that God wants to give as blessing, we discard because it is inconvenient. God is teaching us what it means to be trustworthy with what He's given to us. Moms, how is the work of God making a demand on your life? Son or daughter of God, how is the work of God? How is the thing that He is planting in your heart? How is that making a demand on your life? And are you willing to let your time and energy and money and home and where you live be reshaped around the gift that He's given to you? See, the gift and the call of motherhood is to joyfully make space for what God has entrusted. Amen? So what's He entrusted to you? What has the Lord given to you? Who has He entrusted to you? And are you willing to make space for the move of God in your life? Thirdly, He's called us to give birth. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that He lays down His life for his friends. Jesus says this in another way in John chapter 12. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a single seed. The life that was in Jesus had to be released, but the only way to release what was in him was that he would be broken. Have you thought about that? Even in terms of pregnancy and labor and delivery, I remember just thinking, what a wild process that God would put a life inside my wife's life. And that her body literally has to be broken open in a poetic way in order for that life to leave that life. (laughs) It's kind of alien. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a thing inside of a thing. There's a person in there. What do you think, Rodney? I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. Okay, it's a challenge. The crucifixion of Jesus is very much like birth. That the womb of life, the womb of the Spirit by which God makes us sons and daughters is open when Jesus dies. That the body of Christ who held the very Spirit in the life of God was broken open, split open, rendered empty so that that life could be poured out on you and me. The womb of the Spirit dumps out on us that you and I are filled with the Spirit of God because of the life of God being given through Jesus. You know, there was this moment that came with both of our daughters where my wife looked at me and said something like this, but probably like angrier and louder. No one can do this but me. Any of you moms say that? Like right in the the season, like, oh no, no one else can do this. I remember walking down the hallway of the hospital and her screaming, last baby, Grant, last baby. (laughs) And I was like, we'll talk about it later. This isn't the time. I I get it. You're having a baby. (laughs) Later, we'll do it later. <laughs> Last baby. Yep, yes, ma'am. It's a startling re- realization that what a mother receives and lovingly cares for for 10 months can't be delivered unless she does it. 
It's painful. It involves a lot of labor and intensity and burden and pushing and weakness. There's a, if you've ever looked at like pictures of seed, I think we've got some on the screen here. Um, there's this process, like this is very simple, obviously like <laughs> clip art. You get halfway into this and it's all good. Like that seed is still fully intact at stage three. Look at stage four. Uh, if you're the seed, you're, you're dying, right? Like you're literally being broken open so that life can come out of you. The picture of pregnancy is the release of life. The movement of the Spirit in us is that the container we thought we wanted is rendered broken so that we allow the Spirit of God to do this new thing. For some of you, you're in a season where the life of God is being released through you, and you're like, you know what? I had an idea of what this looks like, and it's starting to look very different. Because God is calling you to count the high cost and the high price of what it means to let the life of God be lived through you. So what in the world would possess people to get pregnant? What possesses mothers to do this kind of thing? It's the joy of holding that baby. Right? It's literally the joy of holding a baby right there. It's the joy of holding the child. It's the joy of delivering that life that's been growing inside of you. What possesses you to go through the breaking process so that God's work can be born? For some of you, you are carrying something that God has put inside of you. You have nurtured it and held it and stewarded it and cultivated it. But now you're at a point where it's going to be costly to see it come to life. In the same way that God calls us as mothers in this world to give birth to the things that are not yet, He has called you and me to steward the very things He's put in our spirits, in our souls, to give birth to the things of God. He's asking you to be ready to push. Whatever that thing is, if it's a new kingdom venture or a new family or small group, whatever the seed is that God has put into your heart, or ladies in the physical, like an actual human, Amy, (laughs) you know? Like there's a time coming when the invitation is push. It's time. And whether, whether you're ready for it or not, it's time to push. Because what God plants, He calls us to carry and give birth to. Hebrews 12 says that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus endured the cross. It was the joy of seeing you and me free and full of his spirit and restored to relationship. That's what drove him past just the idea of being faithful to God to actually allowing his body to be broken for the life of God. Mothers, what marks you is your capacity to give birth to the very things that God has entrusted to you. But are we mature enough and committed enough, and focused enough on the joy of partnering with God to be a part of this birthing process. The womb of the Spirit is ready to deliver. I don't know if you guys are feeling this. Um, I don't know if you have sensed this, but that the Spirit wants to do a new thing. He wants to do a new thing. The, The impression we've had, that I've had personally, as I was in England even coming back, is that what the Lord wants to do in this season, and I believe that even Mother's Day weekend, that this weekend is a starting point for this outpouring of God's presence and His intimacy. But I want to ask you, are you ready to receive Him? Are you ready to receive this planting work of God? Are you ready to steward the thing that God is doing in your life that feels brand new and even uncomfortable? And are you ready to not just be a participant in the room or a, um, a per, uh, somebody who's watching? I can't remember the word. 
a bystander, spectator, thank you, right? Like, birth was great for me. <laughs> Remember, Chrissy's, don't side-eye me, woman. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I'm in the room. I'm, I'm going like, we're pregnant. We're having a baby. She's like, are we? <laughs> are we? Feels a whole lot like I'm having a baby and you're watching, eating a cheeseburger. It's like, this, this has been the best labor and delivery of my life. <laughs> On the second baby, she had a moment where the, um, the epidural didn't take. Uh-huh. And, uh, and she went from like a 7 to a 10 in like no time. I don't, I don't know the numbers. I just messed them up. She went real quick, okay, which means it got really intense and the volume turned up in the room. And uh, I just remember thinking, like, you know, both of us are involved in this process, but she is clearly paying a higher price. Um, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Thank you, Claudia. Uh, what does it look like for us to be ready for what God wants to do in our lives? We're not spectators on the side. God's actually calling you to the line. He's calling you to the line. You men in here are like, hmm, I don't get this. Yeah, you do. Because the Lord has put some dreams and some things into your heart that won't come to pass without a great price and the willingness to be broken to release the life of God for others. This call to motherhood calls us to the line, not to wait on somebody else to give birth to something so that we can step into it. What is it that God's put in your heart? Young guys, what is it that God's put in you now? What are you stewarding now? I am living in the fruit now of what God planted when I was your age. Many of you are, you are living in the orchard now of what God planted in you when you were kids. Many of you are planting orchards now that you won't see in your lifetime, but your kids will reap the benefit from. What is it God's called you to? And are we ready to receive him? Are we ready to carry what he has entrusted to us? And can we willingly, readily lay our lives down so that the life of God can be released? Mothers, this is what you have done. And it doesn't stop on the delivery table, does it? Much like the gift of motherhood in that space, Whatever God calls you to is not just about getting something started. How do we cultivate and curate and sustain the things that God has called us to? He's not calling me just to learn how to plant something. He's calling me to learn how to water and nurture and prune and harvest something. And for every single person in this room, the mothering spirit of God is hovering over the chaos waters of your heart and saying, will you receive me? Are you open to what I'm saying and doing? And when it's time, will you help to push? Amen? Will you stand to your feet? Jesus. Would you just open your hands to the Lord? We just want to close in a time of surrender to Him. Uh, maybe that image of that still door shut over your heart, locked tight, is an image that makes sense to you. And if that's you, would you move from this to this and just say, Lord, i got to open the still door. The Holy Spirit, you see it and you know it and you alone have the keys. 
And if that's you right now, the Lord's inviting you. He's inviting you. He has the perfectly shaped key. He can walk right in. But He wants access that you would receive what He's doing. For many of you, your hearts and your minds and your lives have been closed to the work and the move of God. And the Spirit is knocking at the door saying, can I come in? Can I come in? I want to do a new thing. And right now, if that's you, would you just open your arms to Him? Father, we receive You. Holy Spirit, we thank You for the promise that You will be poured out on sons and daughters, that old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. On all of Your servants, both male and female, You are no respecter of persons. You long to pour out Your Spirit and Your promise and Your blessing. And God, that You are calling us to incubate and carry what You've entrusted to us. And Lord, I ask You today, God, that these men and women in this room Lord, would have the mothering Spirit of God inside of them that nurtures and cares and calls out identity that speaks life into dark, shapeless places. Father, I thank You that You have given us this anointing, God, to birth new things. Let it rest on this house and Your people, God. Even as Your blessing rests on our moms in this room, Lord, I pray that You would call the birthers, Father God, to rise up, Lord, those who are willing to carry and give birth to and release new things. Holy Spirit, we confess that our minds are so riddled with forms and structures and shapes that we've seen. How we do church and how we do ministry, how we do business, how we do family. And Father, we ask you that you would come now and that you would plant your eternal seed in our hearts and minds and that you would give birth to new things. Father, we're here. We're willing to carry what you're entrusting. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and breathe. Come and breathe over us.